0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary tree, trees in multi forms. Uh, like you say, Scoots, can you remember what TARDIS stands for? And I say, time and uh, T A R, time and relative relative dimension in space. I think is what it stands for. Uh, but you know, you know who doesn't know the time or the relative demand. Uh, who is not very good at actually? I am pretty. My spatial relations are, believe it or not, while my meanders—that's one place I actually normally sometimes am decent at spatial relations, which might lead into what we could talk about in the intro: spatial relations. It sounds like a job. Like I could be the Doctor Ruth Westheimer of space. You see, well, I'm, no, I only handle spatial relations. Now, what am I talking about? Uh, well, it's time for sleep with me, the podcast to put you to sleep. And here's a couple of ways we sleep, we keep the show, <laughs> we keep the show free for everybody. And thank you, patrons, uh, for helping me keep this show going. Uh, Sorry, I got on such a tangent there, patrons, I had to bring it back to you. What do you say we get on with the show? Uh, Hey, are you up all night, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome, this is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do, if you wish, you don't even need to do it, you could do it, uh, uh, is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And you could also do that in any order, or you could say, well, I just dim the lights, and i say, totally understand that. But I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake whether it's uh, thoughts you know things on your mind you're thinking about uh, feelings you know anything you're feeling emotionally or physically yeah, coming up for you so things are th- you know things on the mind brain you know brain stuff feeling stuff uh, whatever level what if you're shy I don't know if people's chakras if, if have voice uh, but if your chakras are like singing like sh- Shaka Khan, uh, I guess I would get my hips moving. Maybe I should do that. You see, would it, well, I say, well, how are you becoming familiar with your chakras, Scoots? I say, well, I've called the one on my hips Shaka Khan, uh, and, and so then I can shake my hips. And they say, you don't know what you're ta- ba- talking about, talking about, it. And they say, no, no, because I was sorry. I was at the beginning of a podcast intro and I got mixed up, uh, within my mix-ups. Uh, so whatever is keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. Uh, and, uh, you keep your company and help you fall asleep. What I'm going to do to do that is like, I-, I got this safe place, you know, let me de-shock a con it. uh. And I'm gonna smooth it, I'm gonna pat it, I'm gonna rub I'm probably I'm trying not to gyrate my hips, but it's not easy, even though I'm doing a sleep podcast. Isn't it interesting that you know Shakira and Shaka Khan like uh I associate both of them with hip hip motion, dancing, or making my making my hips wanna move. And And, like, they just have the both, like, I don't know, is that, like, the same root word at the beginning? No, those are names. Okay. Oh, get back to the intro. Okay, so I'm going to try to create a safe place, and I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Oh, so creaky. Uh, pointless meanders, which you've, we've already gotten some early bonus ones. Superfluous tangents. Maybe some of those were superfluous tangents. Uh, like a, pointless, superfluous. You know, I'm going to go off topic. All of it to take your mind off of stuff and help you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, a couple of things to answer questions you might be having since you're new. Uh, one, I'm glad you're here. Two, this podcast is not for everybody, but for everybody it has become a podcast for that's become a regular listener, they say it takes two or three tries. And I'll explain that to you in long, drawn out terms. Uh, so, but if you're skeptical or doubtful, that's a pretty normal way to come to this podcast. Of course, you'd be. And I'll probably like deepen your skepticism initially. That's one of my like winning techniques. I go against all those advice books, they say. And I've called all of them on my imaginary. I say, give me that like Hill guy, and can you can we do can we conference in like a a Vincent Peel, and Hill and Carnegie? Can we get them all on one imaginary call? And they said a Zoom. And I said, yeah, but uh, I'm going to mute mute them all initially because. and then they say, well, what is it regarding? And I say, almost, I think I already forgot. It was some something counterintuitive I was doing. Oh, uh, uh, Building Rapport by Losing Rapport. It's my latest book uh, that I, in a series of books I'm working on. And they say, really? They say, yeah, that's uh, that's probably what tonight's episode will be about. It'll probably be a seminar. <laughs> Actually, great idea, by the way. So we'll we'll save our call for later. But, yeah, by deepening skepticism in this podcast, it eventually it le- we lean in. So keep them on. Can you put people on hold on Zoom, imaginary beings? Great. Thanks, brain. Uh, so you might be doubtful. Here's the funniest thing that I'm laughing about on the inside is that somehow I looked at my the clock I used to keep time on these intros and I was like clocking in. Now, the clock is different than real time, but it was four minutes. So I said, oh, boy, around minute by minute five, I'll be telling the structure of the podcast to the new listener. I'm like so on, um, on time here. And then, of course, I you know, made an imaginary Zoom call. But so one of the things, if you're new, that throws new listeners off is the structure of the show. Because our show is structured, initially it seems like it's it's structured like a normal podcast, but it isn't. Uh, It kind of is, though. So it starts off with a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. uh, Trees in multiforms in this case, because originally this was going to be a Doctor Who episode, but now I think I have to kind of do this seminar one. Uh, but don't worry, you'll still get your Doctor Who episode on time. Um, So that's pretty funny, too, that we opened it, because Trees in Multiforms is a Doctor Who reference. Oh, get to the point. You're right. Well, that's one of the things we don't do is get to the point. But yeah, the show starts off with a greeting. Then there's business. That's a cool thing, keeping the podcast free for everybody. Uh, then we go into, after that, we go into an intro and our intros are around 12 to 20 minutes long, uh, which for a lot of new listeners or people that don't, don't listen to the show, they don't, it, it can kind of seem baffling. So let me kind of explain to you the, the intro, cause it's kind of the most, the, the thing that people are most wary about. And or the business. I mean, the business is necessary, and the intro is kind of—it's not. It, it it isn't necessary. So so two so percent of regular listeners start the show at twenty minutes, and then some large number of patrons listen to story-only episodes. But most listeners listen to the intro, and the intro serves a few purposes. One. Uh, to welcome welcome new listeners uh, by deepening their skepticism and losing their rapport which is my patented method of proving my you know proving my competence or incompetence uh then uh what was my point i already lost it uh, so oh th- so then the intro oh so the intro is to serve that purpose one Then the other thing the intro does for regular listeners is it's part of people's wind-down routine because bedtime is not just something that happens instantly to a lot of us. And so uh, some listeners start the intro as they're getting ready for bed or as bedtime is approaching. Uh, Some listeners are in bed already or some are in the room doing some sort of wind-down or pre-bedtime, you know, something else relaxing. I can always suggest petting your pets or, you know, kissing your biceps and shoulders. Those are, or bombing your elbows. Uh, those are all ones I recommend. Or lying down. I mean, like not even in bed. I, I like uh, maybe foam rolling. I don't suggest that though, to be honest. I do it, but I, I can't recommend it. Uh, supposedly it's great uh, for you. Uh, um, but, uh, I didn't think the funniest thing they said to me was to uh, foam rolling because I, every time I do it, I say, what am I doing? What am I thinking? But actually, well, anyway, so let's get off the foam roller. Oh, so the intro is kind of like an endlessly rolling foam. It's kind of, for some listeners, it is like foam rolling endlessly. Uh, but the whole idea is you start the intro and you start to wind down, whether you're in bed or you're getting ready for bed. And it eases you into bedtime. So that is why the intro is so long and pointless for because it's I guess because it's supposed to be and I'm good at it, good at doing that. Uh, but it does it is an acquired taste and it is optional. Like I said, you could start your podcast at 20 minutes or 22 minutes. Uh, it seems to be the sweet spot for that percentage of people that want to skip ahead. Uh, so that's the intro. Then tonight, originally, I was going to cover an episode of Doctor Who, uh, but by the magic of editing. Instead, I'll do a seminar episode because uh, we haven't done one of those in a while. So that'll be fun. Uh, so that'd be kind of like a bedtime story. Between the intro and the show is business. Uh, that's a kind of a podcast structure thing. And then, um... Oh, there's thank yous at the end. So it's a structure of the show. A couple other things to know. One, this is a podcast you don't need to listen to. You probably already came to that conclusion yourself uh, because I kind of go off topic and you could just kind of barely listen or listen to me in a loose, out-of-focus, fuzzy way. Though if you want to listen, I'm here. And that goes into our next point. This podcast isn't really here to put you to sleep. It's here to keep you company as you fall asleep. Uh, To take your mind off of stuff, to be your bedtime companion, your friend in the deep dark night. I mean, that's a role I'm really applying for. The role he was born to play, uh, the person who's never listened to. And they'd say, well, that's pretty accurate, actually. The role I'm proud to play. Uh, He's been on, he's been over, uh, approaching 900 performances uh, or over it with bonus episodes and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that I get to be here to take your mind off stuff, to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib, your boar bestie, your boar bruh, uh, whatever it is you like, uh, that's what I'm here to do is just keep you company as you fall asleep. Now here's the other side. If you can't sleep, I'm here for you. So if you're, you're like, I have listeners that just can't sleep or people that are going, you know, dude, got something going on. Or maybe it's during the day and you need a break during the day. I'm here. So I'll be here till the end of this episode uh, to keep you company because that's my job. I think that's it as far as like the this, this, uh, structure of the show. I mean, I was thinking about the spatial relations stuff uh, I was talking about at the beginning. And then I said, well, it could be, yeah, like spatial relations. I don't know if with that book, that karma, karma, the sutra, sutra, Karma book is, is about spatial relations, but like, I was thinking more like talking it out, that kind of spatial relations, but then I was like, oh, would it be about, would it be about beings in space? Would I be an expert in the relation? I probably wouldn't be good at that, but what if I was saying, hey, Quark, I heard your, uh, I don't, actually, I don't know what a quark is, so we'll have to cover that. But I heard you have some issues with the nebula uh, and strong feelings about it. So I'm here to kind of do, help you to work it out. Even though you're not sentient, you know, I got it. When universes clash, it has to be uh, whatever. I'm here to modulate that or whatever that proper word is that someone does that. Oh, yeah, I'm here to facilitate collisions between universes and uh, galaxies. You know, we can't have a black hole without a little bit, of, at least trying to build some consensus first, of course. So, I mean, I think that's that's kind of like, a, I don't even know what else, oh, the spatial relations. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to do now with this show is with those parts of your brain that keep you up. Like maybe you say, how do you, you does even know what a quark is, or maybe you have something saying that to yourself. And I say, okay, well, what if I talk to you about, uh, how I build rapport by losing it? And you say, well, do you know how you do that? And I say, well, not yet, but I'll talk it out. Yeah. Uh, do you think it'll make any sense? No, I mean, probably it'll be about, uh, it'll make 20% sense and the rest will be feel like nonsense. And, uh, Then I'll probably talk about nonsense and then maybe, again, think about shaking my hips. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just here to keep you company and talk. You don't even really have to listen to me. Uh, And, uh, you know, don't worry. If any galaxies are approaching you, you know, I'm going to shine a little light on the dark matter, too, and and say, hey, uh, you know, holy nebula, like uh, all that kind of stuff. We might even watch some of the scenes from movies with Nebula, with some Nebula. Say, hey, sit down. Let's have a movie night, you know. Let's get to know one another. This is Nebula, a Nebula's character uh, in a different uh, uh, variety of movies. Uh, Oh, yeah, I got to get back. So, uh, where was I? Nowhere, exactly. That's one of my favorite things that happens by accident when that happens. I love that. Say, so where was I? I Say, absolutely nowhere, Scoots. Say, thanks, brain. Perfect. We're doing a great job. And you're doing a great job. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Like, the reason I make the show is because I've been there sleepless and I know how it feels. And you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a safe place to respite. And I'm here to try to provide that for you. And that really is my honor. And if there was a superpower... Even though I'm not sure Nebula is a superpower. I mean, she's superpowered, but uh, I don't know if she necessarily has superpowers. She may be some sort of powered being. I can't remember. Like, it may be that her powers are normal for her. That's what I mean. Like On Earth, she seems like she has superpowers. But she says, well, whatever I'm from, Orion 9, this is normal, you know. So, okay, where was I? I'm already lost once again. So, I don't know. I think that's about it. It's like, uh, make the show because you deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, I hope I can help. I really appreciate you coming by and checking this podcast out. And I yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we're able to keep this podcast uh, free for everybody. Uh, Hey, everybody, it's Scoots here, and uh, good evening. I I, uh, guess how we found ourselves here tonight was uh, an intro that was supposed to be for, uh, what do you call that show? Doctor Who, sorry, Doctor. And that intro kind of found its way to... uh, uh, saying, well, I think I prefer to be about something new, and I said, and then I said, Scoots, why don't you turn stuff over to the Boredom Institute for this one, since you've been consulting with them on a new program and also like infomercial. Uh, imagine, you know, as all infomercials are in the show, imaginary infomercial. And I said, great idea. So it's time for another one of our Bo- Boredom Institute seminars, uh, like uh. That we partner with on the show and I'm going to turn things over uh, to Brad Braderson from the Boredom Institute. Well, hello everybody. This is Brad Braderson from the Boredom Institute uh, here to uh, introduce you once again uh, to me, Brad Braderson, and uh, our steps to health, wealth, and happiness uh, through boredom is your friend Brad Braderson. Hello, everybody. Here at the Boredom Institute, we uh, we, uh, we create programs, educational programs, enrichment programs, uh, based on the idea of a born apopia. Born apopia—that's uh, something we're work- we're still brainstorming that term. Uh, that's why we're testing it out here on Scooter's podcast. Born 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 possibly patent pending. Is you know the idea that boredom. Can bring you infinite things an infinite abundance uh, through boredom, which is what, what one of the pri- what we believe here, even though we didn't realize as a founding principle when we founded the boredom institutes uh we believe in the abundance of i mean there is an overabundance. some people would say there's an overabundance of boredom, and we you know we don't have you say well that's that's w- w- one way to look at it we see boredom as uh not a, a, a thing a thing that's always present a bit like uh, the force you may say I mean yeah I guess a bit like the force it runs through all things uh, and we see boredom as a path uh, and a path in this case to health wealth and happiness and uh, you know meeting your dreams and tonight we're going to talk about uh, losing rapport by gaining rapport oh no gaining rapport through losing rapport gaining trust. Uh, uh, or competence uh, by showing incompetence. Uh, and I forgot what other, other terms a scooter used. Uh, but, you know, we're going to uh, win you over by losing you. Uh, and that's one of the te- subtle techniques of boredom. And we're going to start right off. We're going to get to this. I'm not sure how many steps we have. I mean, ideally, we used to shoot for 10 steps. And then we said, well, studies show seven steps are better. And I said, well, what about 11 steps? If we do 10, we could turn it up to 11. A lot of the younger people we work with here at the, the Institute, I mean, I'm young. I'm Brad Braderson. Believe me, I'm, I'm a, the eternal youth of boredom is a, one of I, I wanted one day. They said, Brad, that's a bit of a stretch, but not everybody knows, is familiar with the movie, uh, the tapping, you know, the, the famous rockumentary. So, uh, oh, so yeah, let's just get to it and see. We'll say, well, well, let's see what the path leads us. So we, tonight we start off with our first step. I want you to close your eyes, uh there's a song and there's a lot of ideas and a lot of metaphors. And this is called the, uh, the, the boar weaver, uh, which I guess doesn't sound as, as uh, smooth as dream weaver or, you know, other weavers, uh, or if you play star, star, starcraft reavers, I think is one of the, one of scooters. I think he liked reavers, uh, I think those were like the little snails, uh, and, uh, but Scooter could never keep up on refilling them. And he said, why isn't there an automatic way to do this? Uh, but that's just a uh, uh, obscure StarCraft reference. You know, Scooter, he never became, he never achieved StarCraft mastery, but I'm sure he put more than 10,000 hours into that. Uh, probably wasn't 10,000, even though he was focused, uh. It was more of a, like, uh, it's interesting. Uh, wonder what we'd, we'd have to sit down. I wonder if we could sit down and interview, uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell about that. He said, well, I played video games for 10, many more than 10,000 hours. I was uh, focused, uh, and, uh, didn't, uh, and I say, well, Scooter, you were playing video games. And I say, okay, as a distraction. You're correct. But let's get back into the boar weaver. How do you? Uh, and you might say, Brad, you know, how do you get to, to health, wealth, and happiness through losing rapport, or uh, uh, you know, lo- losing you know, losing attention? And they say, well, let's just hold on here and let's talk about boar weaving. Well, why, why don't we? Boar weaving—you want to. You, you're, what you're trying to do? It's a. It's a form of storytelling uh, that you probably listen to almost every night, and uh, it is. Uh, it's neither fiction nor nonfiction, fiction It's. Uh, it, it. But it combines elements of both. Uh, And you may automatically do this, but we're here at the Board of Mr. Chu trying to focus your attention on maybe skills that you may already have that you don't see as skills, but by refining them, giving them space to breathe, you realize uh, that there is true power in these skills. And so, so boar weaving is simply telling a story. Uh, you know, the old way of view- viewing it, the non positive or non empowered way or judgmental way, if you don't mind me saying that, uh, is that you're just filling air by talking, and that may be when you are using this technique in an automatic manner. You know, we've been studying scooter for a long time, and a lot of these, uh, you know, we've built the boredom institute on a lot of accidental ideas from scooter. So let's say in the old way, let's use an imaginary exercise here. You're you're at a you're at a function it's a work function, but it's after work, so you're supposed to be relaxed and you say, Well that's not in my that's not my forte relaxing. You know, will is my forte, but in that's not you know, will forte is not gonna be at one of my work functions after work anyway. And even if w- Will Forte was, I probably wouldn't talk to Will Forte because it would be too nervous because that would mean I would be at some sort of uh So you're at a work function. Everyone says, oh, enjoy yourself, relax. You say, well, that you know, these are authority figures. or uh... So we say, okay, that's your natural state. It's okay. You're just a person. You're not supposed to be perfect, and uh, there's no need to be perfect. And a situation may arise where you're supposed to talk to someone and you say, well, Hey, Brad, uh, how are things going on that new? What did you say? You're going to uh, uh, bore abundance? Was that what you were calling it? In that case, I just sat there stunned because I said bore abundance. Well, I was calling it a bore, borecopia. Uh, uh, based on abundance, I didn't even think I could call it bore abundance. That's so much better. Luckily, this is an imaginary exercise, so this is actually my own idea. So that leads us right into this exercise. So that, so, so I don't know if you're following me, and I'll uh, circle back to where we are. And you say, oh, wow, well, I was just about, no, uh, I was just going to tell, like I was just thinking about that bore abundance. It made me think of... Uh, the show with that family, with the dad that worked at the shoe store. And then I made me think about the times I've gone to the shoe store, and uh, that dad was very unhappy selling shoes. Now, now, here's the thing. I wonder, I just watched another show where a character worked at a shoe store, and she was very happy. And she was talking to her, uh, the person who was asking her questions. They said, "Well, why do you work at a shoe store?" And she said, "Because I love shoes." And I said, "Well, she she was from a family where she not, didn't necessarily need to work." And they said, "Well, why do you why why do you work? Uh, because I enjoy it. Uh, because I want to. Well, why do you work at selling shoes? Well." I enjoy it. I love shoes. Well, it was in the, with shoes. And then she was trying to explain to him that there's a variety of shoes, not just utility shoes or things. And, but he had the wherewithal to say, Hey, well, what are your favorite shoes? And then she said, well, these happen to be my favorite shoes that I'm wearing. And then he talked about feet and those things. And she just laughed and said, that's not part of the job. Really. That was just on that show with that guy, Al, uh, uh, who always talked about it also makes me think of the show. Uh, and then it makes me think of, uh, someone that's making a reinvention of that show as a podcast, uh, uh, like, uh, Carrie B. And this show is like an NB version of Carrie B, which is really cool. Uh, and so that's another thing I think of when I think of shoes, uh, uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? So I don't know if you witnessed any of that. Uh, that was boar weaving, and actually most of that was nonfiction boar weaving, uh, or nonfiction based on fiction that I've consumed as Brad Braderson. But what I've also done now, you you may have you may be able to take one step further back. Uh, I was boar weaving on my own here with you as a witness. Uh, that was not a real boar weaving. And boar weaving can be a preparatory technique, uh, not only because now I have this new idea borbundance, abundance, uh, and that is much more marketable than born bornopopia or apopia, Also, it rhymes with something I would say in an abundance of things that people, you know, look at in their spare time that society might have strong thoughts about that rhymes with bornopopia. Uh, but, uh, not cornucopia, but you know, people that have a lot of corn or a lot of cornucopias, that's great. Uh, so boar weaver is something you could do, uh, and, uh, and you might say, Brad, this whole thing in the Boredom Institute is ridiculous and a big S H today to them. And I'd say, okay, I respect your viewpoint, uh, but let me tell you a little bit of something about this particular technique. You could you you could you do you could just turn this off and never listen to a boredom institute seminar again. You could you know say well I just want the free trial and not the uh, uh, you know when the free trial stops you know the twelve you know it's very you know we we do charge a premium here at the boredom institute. Uh, one day we'll merge with the RORG BIV Institute, that's Scooter Stream. And they say, well, how does a institute that's based on proving lights on the G. BIV, uh, whatever method? But well, here's here's the thing if you're anticipating something, And you're having strong feelings about it, which these are all normal things we all go through. Maybe some people don't, uh, but maybe those people, that's good for those people that they don't. uh, But I'm talking to you, Brad Braderson, to somebody that can identify with how Brad Braderson faces life. Uh, Maybe you're at your desk. Maybe you're at home. Tomorrow's the work party or the work function Maybe Will Forte's going to be there. You say, well, Will Forte's coming in, uh, you know, to talk about his new imaginary memoir, Forte on Forte's. There's a new podcast, uh, Forte on Forte's. Uh, it's a forte episode, uh, but uh, puns, you know, so I, I'm, I'm pleased with myself by that accidental pun, Anyway, so you could practice this technique before the party, before reality, not only to brainstorm accidentally, uh, but to give yourself some space to actually lose some rapport, or to think about what would it be like if I lost all this rapport. Uh, you know, what if you're talking to Will Forte, and you know we don't—I don't have another technique to come up with for a conversation point. Uh, but you'd say, well, I, whenever I think, it, okay, I can, do, I can do one, though. So let's just say it again. And again, practice it at home. I'll tell you the, the purpose, and then it'll help relax you. It'll help you see the thing. And you might say to yourself, uh, well, then Will Forte is just going to say, well, you know what? I, I didn't realize the time. I have to go talk to those other people over there. Or I'm going to get some water. Uh, you stay here. Do you want any, I'm not coming back, but if you want any water, wait here and then go get it. Uh, and you might think that makes you squinchy squinch inside, but what's the risk? Uh, if if what, let, Let's take a reality. What if it was always going to be, what if that's not your forte, isn't your forte, and talking to forte isn't your forte? Leaning in and accepting it and saying, well, you know, at least I can enjoy myself. Uh, playing it out in your mind and saying, well, I already saw how, like, maybe it'll make you more comfortable to be yourself. Uh, Those are my theories, at least. Uh, So anyway, Will, uh, Forte, that's with an E at the end. Well, that's great. Uh, I've always liked you. You know, I've always liked you. I've always liked Forts, too. Do you, like, what about a pod? I know you have this Forte on Forte. Is it Forte on Forte? I wonder if any languages in the world call forts forte. And then it's funny because it almost sounds like you're saying 40, but in a fancy way. What about Jack A? Forte and Jack A uh, today? Like, what if the two of you had a morning report? Uh, I would watch that. Uh, But moving on, I was thinking about forts. uh, Forte and forts. Uh, Or the Fort Report with Will Forte, and you maybe, I don't know if you're a family person, I don't know, uh, because I'm just, uh, but you could have Blanket Fort, you know, Blanket Fort Report with Will Forte, Uh, but it makes me think about my favorite forts uh, that I've been to, which I haven't been to a lot, Will. And nowadays, people ask me, of the forts you know about, uh, what are your favorites? And I say, well, there's only two that I actually remember. And both of them are in central New York. Uh, One is Fort Stanwix, and one is uh, Fort Oswego. And I don't know. Like, I was at Fort Stanwix in a rainstorm a few years ago. And it, now that's a wood fort, and Fort Oswego is a stone fort. Fort Oswego is on Lake Ontario, and Fort Stanwix is in Rome, New York. And, you know, Fort Oswego is something I've been to mostly as an adult, Will. And Fort Stanwix was something I went to as a child and returned to as an adult with my child. And because it was a rainy day, I don't know if that impacted it. It wasn't a not, it was definitely not as grand as my imagination would have had me remember. But it was quite a nice fort. And then the nice thing about Fort Oswego is the last few times I've gone has been like a reenactment day. And last time we went, this person was running a magic lantern, uh, a early projector. And he was kind of dressed in a steampunkish type outfit and describing it to us. Uh, the time we went before that, Scooter developed a crush on someone working in uh, like the Florence Nightingale style tent. Uh, but he, he, all he said was, uh, are those bandages? And then he, they, she said, uh, "Yes, these are bandages. Would you like me?" "Oh, thanks, but okay." So uh, those are. That's a. Oh, Will's gone. So that's a way to, that would be how I'd handle it with Will Forte beforehand. Now, would I handle that in reality or not? Another thing about the boredom of Institutes, and what you got to remember is, you sometimes you have to trust your subconscious, or trust imperfection, or. That, uh, you know, it doesn't always feel like, uh, I don't know, just play around with it. Be playful. Uh, so that's one technique. Uh, and well, if you want to stick around here, feel free to, and, you know, feel free to think about, uh, you know, those podcasts I just asked you about, uh, Forte. Forte. What about that one? Uh, like, uh. I don't know. I don't exactly know what forte means either. I've said it so many times uh, that I've lost, uh, uh, I think it would be forte on forte. Like you would interview people that have a forte in something you're interested in. That's just my idea. Anyway, so, so moving on to our next uh, step here, uh, it's a boredom beyond time and space, uh, And you might wonder, uh, uh, Brad, what does that mean? Boredom beyond time and beyond space. And say, in the beginning, there probably probably was pretty boring before the big one, the Big Bang. You know that, uh, or you know other ways of wondering the the creation or beginning of the universe. Uh, If there was nothing and you were there, uh, you would say it was boring. You know, obviously you would come to a point where you maybe would, uh, like, overcome or lean into that boredom or grapple with it. And one of the things I like to point out to to my uh, students or my uh, people I'm working with here at the Boredom Institute is that uh, what if that is true? Because it probably is true. If there was a time before anything... There was a time with nothing. And when you think about it that way, if that you would have to accept in my book that that is an underpinning energy in the universe or an underpinning you know the underpinning energy in the universe. I, I think I was thinking I'd say something else but I just repeated myself. And that boredom is always there, and it's a rawest form. And maybe sometimes, like, the boredom isn't both within us and without us. Uh, And uh, you say, Brad, are you just talking, or are you going to make a point? I say, well, yeah, one, be reassured by that. Uh, Sometimes there's a, a feeling within Brad, maybe within any of you, maybe you that's listening, that says, oh, no, Brad, you're so boring. You just talked to Will Forte about forts, and you didn't even really talk about forts except by mentioning that one was stick and one was stone. And then he awkwardly said stick and stone, and then he went and got his water, never to return. And he said, Brad, you're so boring. Uh, You're, you know, like, uh, you've got, you're experiencing more abundance. And they said, well, Brad, it's not like you invented boredom. It's been there since the beginning in the dawn of time. Before the dawn of time, by the way, Brad. And boredom's always there. Uh, maybe you're just, you know, maybe you're interpreting boredom in a way uh, that is like you're spinning the ball, like you're spinning the electron in a certain direction. And in this case, your spin has a negative feel to it, Brad. But if you accept the fact that it's just spinning counterclockwise, clockwise, or only two of the directions it could be spinning, Brad, if it's a spherical, isn't there many, 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 many more ways it could, uh, it could spin? So that's one thing to think about, Brad, is, uh, Uh, You're just putting one spin on it, and you're sure that it's spinning that way, but it could be spinning an infinitesimal. I think that means almost infinite, uh, but maybe not uh, ways, uh, because sometimes it's beyond our understanding. And you might say, Brad, are you trying to be profound with something that's not profound? I say, no, no, no. I'm trying to remind you that, uh, that boredom's there that you didn't make it and you didn't, uh, say it, and then you say, well, if I bored Will Forte, isn't that a pretty, well, you know, how many people could say they, you know, talked to Will Forte about forts and then Will Forte walked away. Then years later, Will Forte, you know, made it uh, a an autobiography and a book and an interview series, uh, Forte on Forte, you know, Forte, Forte. Not many people could say that, uh, and so that's one thing. Another thing is that uh, when we look at this spinning of our thoughts around boredom and those things, uh, you know, sometimes we we inflate things. And you you know, there's a there's a book that Scooter read, and a lot of us have read. Uh, and there's posters about it, and there's memes about your place in the universe. Or, you know, the meaning of things in that book that Scooter loves about uh, hitchhiking in space or whatever it's called. Oh, he just yelled, Hitchhiker's Guide to the—okay, I know, Scooter, I was just being uh, facetious. Uh, So when you're talking to someone like Will Forte or someone at work and you're saying, oh boy, did I just lose the rapport— uh, you, 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 you're, you're saying you're made, it feels, you're not making it. A lot of people say, oh, you're making a big deal out of a moan, moan, moan hill or whatever. You know, you're making a mountain out of a mouse stack. Uh, they say, no, 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 no. That's how it feels. It really feels like a mountain. But when Will Forte walks away from you, it, it, it you know, it might feel really big, especially if other people saw it, or, you know, even if it's at work, you say, well, I got to work here. That's a natural understanding feeling. Now, the idea of where does that place you in the universe or that boredom transcends time and space predates it. If only if we were there to observe it, I get it, I get it, I get it, uh, Boredom would only exist uh, if we were there to observe it, but it is there if it was observable. It isn't meant to say, oh, you're a tiny speck in the universe and your feelings are a tiny speck, because your feelings don't feel like a tiny speck. They feel universal. And there's the key uh, to unlock the door, possibly. Or just say, hey, uh," like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, instead of spinning it in a negative way, you see, wow, these are really, these are Big Bang level feelings, I'm feeling. And yet, in the in in the, in the idea of the universe, they're probably tiny, but they don't feel tiny. And then that may lead you to the place of saying, and to someone else, you know, someone might say blah, 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 but but someone that can really, like Brad Braderson, I've been there. I can say, well, I've had big feelings about small stuff, too. What about that, Will? Big feelings about small stuff. uh, uh, And that is also universal. And I would even posit this. So I have not been back to the beginning of the universe. uh, Or you say, well, boredom predates uh, emotion. That's one thing I'd just like to point out to you. But when the first uh, thing in the universe emoted, experienced emotions, I would say that there was probably big feelings about what some would call small things. But what if you don't say there's small things? You say, well, those are big feelings. Uh, Big feelings are universal, too. Uh, So I think you get what I'm saying. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Uh, because some people say, don't worry about little things. And you say, well, uh, I would say don't uh, worry about the worry about small things uh, and recognize that uh, the, these things, trans they do transcend time and space. I mean, some scientists would probably say, I'm wrong. And then I would have the feelings, and then I would get another chance to explore my feelings about that. Now, we go into this next uh, 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 idea, uh, concept, the next stage of our seminar as we try to look at this idea of losing rapport, losing attention to gain it. uh, And these are actually, sometimes these are take and go things, but this is actually we're building to something here. We're going somewhere. And even in our obviously our mental exercises, we've been going somewhere. Yeah, but this is the idea, building on what we were talking about earlier. uh, There is not a now. Some people would say maybe Scooter the most boring person in the world, or the most boringest, uh, and incorrect, most incorrectest uh, when he uses words. And I would say there is no most boring. It Just like some of the listeners, maybe you say, well, Scooter's not boring. He's just, uh, the Boredom Institute isn't just about boredom. It's about health, wealth, and happiness. And, uh, you know, washboard abs uh, all through boredom, you know, for a low, low price that, like, that eventually goes up, uh, and this again is a two-sided thing you, you may feel like the most boring person in the world if you are uh that's a powerful thing to be but you may not be uh, there may not you may not be able to one up uh outbore the bores uh but what's wrong with being boring is what i'm saying is uh the idea of being the top uh of meeting these expectations that say, well, I gotta, like, could, could you really, uh, do you really need to charm Will Forte or your work co workers? Uh, or, uh, and again, this is not an easy thing. Brad's not saying this is an instant thing. Or could you just be yourself? Isn't that pretty good? And I just know from me, you know, thinking about, why did I think of Boar Pulpio? Why didn't I think of, uh, what a bore abundance. How did I not think of that till just now accidentally while giving a seminar? And I don't know if you could hear this, but when I say this, my hand is on my chest in loving manner. And maybe you could do that sometime is put your hand on your chest or your stomach in a loving way and say, Brad, you probably never be the, like, it's okay. You don't, uh, you don't even have to put it to any more words. So it's, it's okay. I understand, uh, we want to, uh, we have, you know, Brad, that means you have an imagination, a strong one, when you're always thinking, when's Brad going to shine? When's, you know, Will Forte going to say, well, what was that other idea you had that didn't use my name? Because I kind of like that one. And I'd say, Will, I forgot, uh, I th- like, it wasn't the one where you talk about forts or people that are good at stuff, huh? I think it was, uh, I can't remember, but uh, you, you liked that idea, huh? Well, this is just imagining. Oh, okay, well, I'm just imagining. And I guess I'm imagining, and now we move into the next part of this. Uh, instead of tra- And again, these are practices you could do at home. And you go further in, because this is timeless, you see. What am I really looking for here with Brad, with will? what would happen if i impressed if I did remember the impressive idea I told the imaginary will forte in my mind uh i'd say uh I'd feel suddenly a big bang maybe i ma- but I'm imagining that. i say oh wow i'd feel i'd suddenly feel. And just maybe feel those feelings, too, and say, oh, boy, that feels good, making Will Forte laugh and saying, oh, boy. And you say, okay, well, are those feelings out there anywhere else for me to find? Maybe I'm searching for those feelings uh, and not necessarily—and uh, just get to know the feelings better. Maybe they have a texture. Maybe they have a taste. uh and these are kind of the feelings of one, one upping almost of being. You say, "Well, I was the one that you know, no one else at work ca- ca- impressed," uh, or you know, "I was the star of the show." Those are you know, and that's okay to want that. Uh, what I'm saying is, when you're imagining that, uh, and some would say, these are expectations on the higher end. You're you're imagining these grand expectations. Don't spin the electrons on that in a negative or a positive direction. Look at and observe how is that spinning and what does it feel like and just get to know those feelings a little bit better and see where they lead you, correct? Like uh, you'd say, okay, you, so you're saying, Brad, are you telling me At this point in the seminar that we're looking at, what would it be like? You started out with one thing, but now you're leading me to the flip side of it. What do I imagine it feel like if I never lost rapport, if I had a natural rapport and I didn't have to take a seminar on using boredom or, you know, I always won people over, uh because that is a powerful part of my imagination. You're right, Brad. Uh, oh, what did that feel like? What would that bring me? Or what do I imagine it would bring me? And how would I imagine it would make me feel? But Brad, you're saying not to disconnect it from the, the expectations or the imaginary exercise, uh, but to kind of... Instead of thinking about it intellectually or from the imagination standpoint, move into the feelings more and say, "Well, what are those feelings like? Uh, that's interesting. You're no, you you do not have a bore, bore bone in your body anymore, huh? What is, does that does that feel different? Or, or oh no, you've you've reached you know boredom mastery, and so now you're able to use boredom in ways that people never thought before possible." You've shown the world the power of poor abundance. And through the poor abundance, you've attained health, wealth, and happiness. Uh, and those washboard abs that we all... But you say, wait a second, uh, Brad, are you still leading me? i I say, yeah, what, is it? What, what do those things really represent to you? And instead of reaching for the feeling... We're running towards it. You know, Let it float in like a cloud and be around you for a little while and say, huh, yeah, Well, how do I feel when I'm uh, impressing someone or imagining I'm impressing someone in a way that transcends time and space? And uh, just experience that. And, and so you say, okay, Brad, where are we now? And I say, well, we're right here together right now. And we're moving into our next uh, place, which is, bre- bre- I, again, I guess I have to work on this. I was going to say presence or bore presence, but bore presence is just that uh, sounds like a presence like a gift instead of presence like it being in the room. I guess I could say the room where it doesn't happen you say, well, I, I want to be in the room where it happens. They say, well, uh, let's we'll start off in the room where nothing happens. Uh, we call it Scooter's Bedroom. <laughs> uh, yes, I—sorry, I, uh, Scooter. Thanks for having—letting the Boredom Institute, uh— well, le- thanks for letting us use your, your, your show, but, uh— like we're leaning into these experiments we're doing, these imaginary, these real exercises within the imagination. And with a goal of being more present, uh, being more present for our boredom and also being more present for the feelings around our boredom, the spins we may or may not be putting on them. We don't know. We're trying to learn to observe them and be there. And give them space. And one of the things uh, that we would like to achieve in this process, and it's not a universal all-or-nothing thing, is if you can be present for something, is there a spectrum of acceptance you can reach? Because some people would say just accept it, or oh, but like or something positive, and we who. uh cross paths after midnight, as we'll say here. Uh, we know that that's not necessarily the truth, uh, that it's much more of a spectrum. So can we go from observer uh, to uh, some place, you say, well, I'm just kind of watching that uh, and, or saying, well, I've experienced that before, this hope or this worry or these strong feelings about not being the charmer of the party. Can we move more into a place of being present for it, uh, and then saying, well, I accept that you wish that. I accept that you feel that way. And we've kind of been hinting at this the whole time. Uh, But really, we're looking to put our feet uh, into this world. And Scooter actually taught me this technique, uh, and I I guess I'd just throw it in here because... uh, is, uh, he calls it the big toe technique, and he said he doesn't know if he'd learned this from something or he thought of it as on his own. But when he does a performance in front of people, he gets, uh, or I guess he says he forgets to use it for other situations. Uh, but when he used to do live shows, he would uh, be very, he would say, oh, well, this is not going to happen. I can't possibly do a live performance for people. And so he would talk to his big toe, and he would say, well, what if just my big toe could be excited about this or present for it? The rest of me maybe needs some distance or is just like like feeling these feelings that we're present here for. But my big toe is leaning in. My big toe is excited and comfortable, not even saying that, saying, could you, could you big toe do that? And he said sometimes when he would remember, which wasn't often, he would just press his big toe down. As I'm doing now, I'm pressing one of my big toes down and saying, okay, that big toe is here. That big toe is present. uh, And uh, uh, now this leads into Brad saying, is accepting of everything else. Uh, Now not 100% say, well, are you able to accept that the rest of me is not sure about being here for this performance or at this work party or at this other function. Are you saying that, uh, and you say, well, okay, what is it like if my big toe is pressed down? And that, part of me, is comfortable, you know, just a tiny percent. I don't know, what is it, like uh, 0.2% or something, maybe more because it's the big toe. Uh, you say, okay, yeah, you're here. What, what do you think about all that? Well, I can accept that you don't want to be here, even though my big toe does. Uh, and maybe you're even talking about it out loud, and Will forte saying, are you talking about pressing your big... You say, yeah, I am. Uh, a little bit nervous here, Will, talking to you because I loved you in that movie so much, or that show, or just your general all-around presence. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, I thought it blew a to like, uh, and this is just an imaginary exercise because, again, we're trying to move into a place to say, well, I'm accept that you're you're a little bit nervous and awkward. That's totally cool with me. And I'm pressing my big toe down for it. Uh, you got it? I got it. Good. And by gaining presence and acceptance uh, with either that or anything else, uh, and you say, well, I'm just a a little bit of a degree of accepting and uh, being present for it, uh, you you could could actually maybe feel good about it. Maybe you're a loving, comforting presence, uh, or maybe your big toe is that loving, comforting presence to say, hey, it's okay, and, and, and again, maybe this could transfer outside of you to other people and say, well, I could see you're nervous uh, or worried about that. It's totally normal. And where does all that leave us? Where have we gone on this journey, and where would we like to go? Is, uh, is the idea uh, that one day if you're accepting these things and working these things, and again, looking at it like an experiment instead of, uh, you know, like me, Brad Braderson, I really tend to see things in all or nothing in a global big, b everything is a global big bang in, inside of Brad Braderson. And, uh, you, you know, maybe I just go back and forth through all or nothing. And maybe sometimes I can use these more spectrum based ideas. You say, Brad, like, how are we going to get health, wealth, and happiness and washboard abs through all this? I say, well, eventually you will. But eventually with this technique, the idea is uh, that there is some softness. uh, Like the idea that your rear, your flank is exposed, right? Uh, uh, That's the feeling we're kind of talking about here in these interpersonal situations. And You say, well, I don't like that idea. You say okay. That's uh, I accept that too. That's perfectly normal. What, what, can we lead you to a place uh, where where you get to some where that degree of acceptance only sometimes gets to the point where you say, "Well, it's, I know it's going to be okay, though, if I lose rapport and I accept that I'm n- not good at it, and uh, what will happen then?" And there is a paradox there by, like, uh, accepting things uh, and having a presence and being a little bit more grounded. Maybe you're more present for Will Forte or your coworkers. Maybe you feel, uh, we don't know because this is an experiment. Uh, Maybe by not having to, maybe by more experiencing the feelings beforehand, but not trying to plan out what you're going to say. You realize you don't have to say much at all. Maybe you realize that you don't have to win any rapport. Uh, you're 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 just trying to build rapport uh, because that's what everybody says anyways. It, like like uh, there's no rapport winners uh, because then you say, well, I'm the rapport loster. Uh, you'll find that by putting that toe down and saying, well, huh, there's a lot of uh, feelings here. I can be present for these feelings with part of my toe or part of my foot, uh, but I could also try to be present for this other person. And I could also be trying, you know, this is this again is advanced techniques of boredom. And then you just give yourself a break. You say, hey, this has been around for a long time, a lot longer than me. That doesn't diminish the strong feelings you're having. It's a reminder you're not alone. And, uh, that, uh, yeah, you could try this. You could try it out. Uh, and I realize that this isn't the flashiest, uh, of seminars we've done here at the Boredom Institute. And, this, you know, that's why it's free on this podcast. Because you say, well, it doesn't have an, an exact, uh, a tangible result, uh. I'd say, is it worth a try? Here, from Brad Braderson to you, I'd say, you're worth a try. Uh, so whether you put your big toe into it or your hand gently on your chest or both, uh, and you breathe in and you say, hey, yeah, that's strong stuff. Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, that would, If that's all you get out of this seminar... That's all that matters. Uh, Good night from Brad Braderson the Boredom Institute. Thanks, everybody.